gospel reading today is recorded in Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 27. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, thank you to our readers and our, our prayer leader. Today in our text, Jesus drops the mic. Now, when you hear about somebody dropping something, you typically tend to think that that's probably not a good thing. You don't like to drop things. However, dropping the mic, that is different. That is a good thing. Dropping the mic is something that became popular by entertainers in the 1980s. More specifically, it was usually comedians. They would tell their jokes, and then they would drop their mic. They'd literally take their mic, hold it up in the air, and drop it. And it would make a huge, horrible thud on the ground. And this was a form of celebration, a form of triumph. Why would dropping a microphone on the ground be a form of celebration or form of triumph? Well, it's kind of like the equivalent of a football player who scores a touchdown and takes the ball and spikes it or slams it down into the turf. It signals to everybody else, this thing is over. Everything that needed to be said has been said. Everything that needed to be done has been done. I'm going to take this mic. I'm going to drop it on the ground because you don't need it anymore. That's it. This thing is over. So comedians will finish their set with a mic drop. They'll tell all of their jokes. They will drop the mic. They will hurry off stage to applause. Now, a mic drop is something that, that literally happens just like we talked about with comedians. This is also something that kids do for fun. It's a, it's a figurative thing where if, if one person gets the best of another person, you might look at them and pretend and say, mic drop. If two kids are playing basketball one-on-one -on -one, and one of them hits a, a deep three-point shot uh, over the other person, they might look at that person and go, mic drop, signaling in a very silly way, this thing is over. If uh, two people are playing chess and you checkmate the other person, as a joke, you might pick up one of their pieces, hold it up, drop it, and say, mic drop. Again, a silly way of signaling, this thing is done. Recently, I had a mic drop moment of my own that I am just like so oddly proud of. These last nine weeks, I've been filling in teaching a class at Lutheran High School. They needed somebody to teach a section of their Christian Foundations class. And so as I got into it, I was told, there's no curriculum for this class. You can, you can teach whatever you want as long as you're teaching the foundations of the Christian faith. And you can structure your class period 
however you would like to. You can use your 90 minutes of class time however you see fit. And so I came up with some goals for this class, for these nine weeks. I wanted it to be really simple. I wanted it to be very approachable. And I wanted it to be highly engaging. Simple, approachable, engaging. So I came up with this uh, system where each class period, I gave each student one piece of paper, and it had everything that they needed for those 90 minutes. We called this their, their class journal. Um, it had all of the questions that we were going to answer. It had all of the scripture that we were going to read. It had the directions for every activity that we were going to do. Nice and neat, one paper, all that they needed. And then I'd pass that paper out, and I would stare into the soul of these students, and I would say, please, do not work ahead, because it will not make sense. These questions and these activities, they all build on each other. So if you try to work ahead, it will not make sense. It did not matter how many times I said, do not work ahead. You know what these students did? They worked ahead, obviously, right? And for those first two weeks, they outsmarted me. I, I will give them credit. They worked ahead, and that worked out fr fine for them. After two weeks, I thought, you know what? These kids are getting the best of me. I got I to gotta switch things up. I got to do something different. So week three, I show up, and I've got my stack of journals, the, the single sheet of paper. And I, I pass them out, and then I get back to the front of the class, and I see six or seven hands that are already up in the air. And they ask, Pastor Sam, where's our journal? I said, this is it. They said, no, this is a blank piece of paper. You know how you keep kids from working ahead? You don't give them the questions ahead of time. So instead of giving them this nice, or, you know, neat piece of paper with all the information that they needed, I gave them a single piece of paper that just said, question number one, see the board. Question number two, see the board. And you know what that was? That was my mic drop. There was no comeback to that. I put an end to the whole issue. In our reading today, Jesus has his own mic drop. Our reading today comes from Matthew 21. This is a, a big chapter for Jesus. This is a big chapter for his ministry. There's a lot that happens in this chapter. It all begins with the Palm Sunday story. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He gets on the donkey. He rides into the city. The crowds are ecstatic. They're so excited that the king is finally here, the one who's going to rule them fairly and justly. And so they line up along the, the, the road, and they lay down their coats and palm branches, so that way the king is not going to get his feet dirty. So it all begins with Jesus making his way into Jerusalem. Jesus gets to Jerusalem, and the first place that it says that he goes is to the temple, to his father's house. When he gets to the temple, he's disgusted with what he finds. His father's house is not being treated as his father's house. No longer is it a place of worship, it is a place of of trade and, and market. People are selling things. People are buying things. They're trading things. They're bartering. They're doing everything except for worshiping their Father in heaven. So Jesus literally drives them out of the temple. He shoes them out of there. He's overturning tables. He's, he's literally removing them from the temple to restore it back to a place of worship. So Jesus makes his way into the city, he makes his way to the temple, he cleanses the temple, and then he spends a lot of time in the temple. He spends a lot of time with, with people, with crowds, teaching. And that's where our story 
takes place today. It begins in the temple with the religious leaders going to Jesus and asking Jesus a question. They ask him this. They say, whose authority do you have to do this? Who gave you the authority to perform these miracles? Who gave you the authority to, to teach? Who gave you the authority to address the crowds in the way that you are? Now, this was a very popular tactic for this group, for the, the chief priest and the elders and, and others. They wanted Jesus to have to answer these questions because they wanted Jesus to stumble. They didn't want him to be able to have a good answer to these questions. So these questions were not just questions. These questions were traps. They wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted him to say something wrong, so that way they could pounce. They could jump on him, and they could turn Jesus in, and they wouldn't have to worry about him anymore. Jesus does not get trapped. He does not fall for this. He takes their question, and he says, okay, well, I'll answer your question if you can answer my question first. And he goes on to ask them a question about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the guy who's said to be preparing the way in the wilderness for Jesus. The one saying, you know, the, the, the king is coming. Prepare yourselves. The king is coming. People are coming to him, and they're being baptized. They're going to the river. They're being baptized by John as John prepares the way for Jesus. So Jesus asks them a question about John. They say, hey, this thing that John is doing, these baptisms, where does this come from? Was this John's idea, or is this somebody else's idea? Is this, is this God's idea? Was this an earthly thing, or is this a heavenly thing? That's the question that he asked back, and this puts the chief priests and the elders in a very difficult situation, because he gives them essentially two options, earthly thing or heavenly thing. Over here, he knows that if they're going to answer and say, well, this is a heavenly thing, there's going to be some issue with that. You know, they, they put their heads together and they start talking about how are we going to answer this? And they know that they can't say heavenly. Because if they say that this is a heavenly thing, then they know that Jesus is going to come back to them and say, well, then why did you reject John? If you knew that this practice was from heaven, why did you reject John and everything that he was doing? So they know that they can't answer that way. Over here, they've got another option. They can say that this was an earthly thing. They could say, hey, this was an earthly thing. John came up with this. We don't know where John got this idea. It's a, it's a strange thing that he's doing, but it's not from our Father in heaven. But there's an issue with that answer, too. They don't want to say that that's the case because the people there love John the Baptist. They know John the Baptist. They've gone to, to see and to hear John the Baptist. Many of them have been baptized by John. Many of them see John as a prophet. So they know if they say this thing is from man and not from John, the people are going to be upset because the people love John. So they can't say that this thing is from heaven. They can't say that this thing is from earth. So they put their heads together and they come up with a really slick answer. They say, we don't know. And this is where Jesus comes in with some real sass, a little bit of fire. He says, well, then neither will I tell you by which authority I do all of these things. Other words, mic drop. There's no comeback to this. There's no response. And when Jesus says this, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey guys, once again, you have shown me that I have nothing to prove to you. Or maybe even more pointed, he's saying, hey guys, you have once again shown me that I do not answer to you. You do not have authority over me. I have authority over you. 
Now, from the, the perspective of the chief priests and the elders, wouldn't that be kind of a nice deal? Like, if they were right, wouldn't that be a good deal for them? Wouldn't that be kind of a good deal for us? Wouldn't it be really nice if Jesus answered to us? Wouldn't it be really nice if we had authority over Jesus? Wouldn't it be just so convenient if Jesus had to run all of his thoughts and plans and ideas by us beforehand? Because if we had authority over Jesus, we could do things like pulling Jesus aside and saying, hey, hey Jesus, I see in your notes here that you're planning on giving the, the winning Powerball numbers to my neighbor. I'm going to need you to give those numbers to me instead. Because if you have the authority to tell him what to do, you could do something as silly as that. Or you could pull Jesus in and you could say, hey, Jesus, it looks here like you've got me getting over this head cold in seven to ten days. I'm going to need you to shorten that to three to five. That would be so convenient if you could just do that for me, Jesus. And we could say all of those things because in that scenario, we have authority over Jesus. But the thing is that Jesus does not answer to us. We answer to Jesus. There's a passage from Isaiah that speaks to this, and we can show it on the screen. This is Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This comes from Isaiah as part of a plea to the people. He's pleading with them, saying, turn away from your sin. Turn away from your ways that are lower and turn back to God in his ways that are higher, his ways that are above your ways. He says, stop trying to outdo God. Stop trying to outsmart God as if your way is better than his. His ways are above ours because he is bigger, because he is stronger, because he is smarter. Now, I heard a, a would-you-rather question that, that came to mind as I was preparing this mor- for this morning, um, and I'm going to ask you guys to, to answer it just, just in your own head. You can tell the person next to you if you'd like, but we're not going to do a show of hands or anything. For the rest of your life, would you rather, every time you got in a vehicle, you have to be the driver. For the rest of your life, every vehicle you're in, you're driving it. Or, for the rest of your life, every time you got into a vehicle, you are the passenger. Think about it for a second. Maybe tell the person next to you. One way or another, either you're doing all of the driving or you are always riding. Now, I know that there are some things to consider, like like car sickness and things like that. But I think that at the heart of it, this is a question of control. Do you feel like you have to have control of the car? Do you have to be the one driving? Do you have to be the one who determines, we leave it this time, We take this route. I'm going to try to take this shortcut. I'm going to drive this many miles above the speed limit. Whatever it is, do you feel like you have to be in control? Or are you okay with being in the passenger seat and letting somebody else have all of the control? Letting somebody else have all of the authority? Today we are reminded that Jesus is driving the car. And the thing about Jesus driving the car is he does not need any backseat drivers. He does not need us to tell him what to do. He knows where he's going. He knows when he needs to leave. He knows the fastest route. He knows the speed limit. All of those things. He is in control because he has authority. Now, we're going to finish up 
today by, by making, making just two final points. Um, and the first one is that this. Jesus has already shown us who he is. He has shown us that he has authority. He is the one who heals the sick. He is the one who calms the storm. He is the one who was raised from the dead. Time and time again, he has already shown us that he has authority, that he is in control. So because of this, we don't have to test Jesus. We don't have to test him, but we do get to trust him because he has already shown us who he is. And the second part is this. You know, this all started with us talking about the mic drop, and that was just a silly way of saying that Jesus is going to get the last word. He's going to be the one to drop the mic because he's going to be the one who gets the last word. What do we want that last word to be over? We can be like the chief priest and the elders and we can, we can think that, that we can tell Jesus what to do, but Jesus is going to come back and he's going to get the last word and it's going to be over our pride and it's going to hurt. It's not going to go the way that we think it would go. Or we can remember that Jesus has shown us who he is. He has demonstrated his authority. He's demonstrated how he uses it for our good. We don't have to test him. We do get to trust him. And not only that, but he has shown us his authority. And he is not only showing us his authority, but we can give him that authority, recognize it, and he can have it not over our pride, but over the things that he needs to have it over. He can have that last word, that last word of authority over our, our struggle, over our fears, over our anxiety. Jesus is going to get the last word over all of those things, whatever they may be. So if nothing else, know this. Jesus is the one with authority. He does not answer to us, but we answer to him. He is above all things. All of your fears, he has authority. All of your insecurities, he has authority. All of your sins, he has authority. He has shown us who he is. We don't have to test him. We do get to trust him because he has shown us that he is a God of unconditional love who is above all things, who is working for our good. And so I invite you to fold your hands and pray with me. Jesus, your ways are higher than our ways. You are above all things. Time and time again, you have proven that you are for us. So Lord, when we feel like we want to test you, instead, Lord, help us to trust you. We pray this in your name. Amen.